welcome to High Tide, Low Tide, the podcast where we talk about all things mental health and where we share our stories with the knowledge that it could just be the lifeline of hope for someone who is hurting and afraid that they're the only one. I'm your host, Lisa Scanlon, and I am so glad that you're here with me today. Just a little reminder here, guys, that we are discussing mental health in this episode, so we may touch on things like suicide or self-harm, which may be a trigger for you. As always, I'll pop resources in the show notes or know that you can call Lifeline 24-7 on 13 11 14. Okay, guys, welcome back to High Tide, Low Tide. And now I know that we had a couple of weeks without a guest here on the podcast, and I'm very sorry. I have been running around like a chicken with my head cut off the last couple of weeks and just time got away from me. But I am very happy to have a wonderful guest sitting across from me today, and her name is Trin. So welcome to the podcast today, Trin. Thank you. Very, very happy to have you here. And thank you so much for taking time out of your day on a beautiful day like it is today. We have um, a glorious sunny day in Adelaide today, so we're both going to get back out into that sun this afternoon. Yeah. What I might get you to do, if you'd like to just give us a little bit of an introduction about yourself um, so that our guests can get to know you a little bit better. Okay, sure. Um, I'm 44. I have two adult children, like two girls who are awesome. (laughs) I've been married for 25 years next month. Which is amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Big plans? No. No? No, I think he's actually away for work. (laughs) (laughs) That week. Yeah, he is actually. He's um, away for work. Okay. We'll have to make up for it after that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you always lived in Australia? Oh, no. I moved to Australia when I was 10, so I grew up in New Zealand. Wonderful. Yeah. No accent? <laughs> no, no, not anymore. But when I do go back home, I sort of pick it up pretty quick. But yeah. As soon as yeah. I come back to Australia, I lose it again. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. It's yeah. funny when I was living overseas, um, obviously because I was, I was teaching diving, so I had to enunciate everything correctly. And I was surrounded by a lot of English people. Yeah. So every time I would come back to Adelaide, everyone would be like, why do you have an English accent when you've come home? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you <laughs> just pick it up. Yeah, you do, because everyone else around you is talking in that accent, so it's just easy to take it on, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, like, what do you like to do in your spare time? Um, I do love the beach and I like going for walks down there, just being out in nature, anything creative. Yeah. Whether it's art, like painting. Not that I'm good at it, but that, that doesn't <laughs> that's matter. Not the point. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not the point. As long as you're doing it and enjoying it, that's that's all that matters. Absolutely. Um, yeah, just anything creative. Hanging out with my kids. Yeah. Family, friends. Lovely. Going out for breakfast. Yes. Yes, I do yes. like that. Yeah. It's my favourite meal to go out I for, I'll admit. Yeah. What's your go to order? Um, either eggs Benny Ooh. or like a big breakfast, yeah. but always scrambled, always yeah. like scrambled eggs. Even on mm. Benny? No, no Benny okay. I'll have, have, yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> but mostly scrambled, yeah. Yeah, I think mm. I, I do love a Benny and I am also a scrambled egg girl, <laughs> not on a Benny, but in general, but always, always, always add halloumi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or extra hollandaise sauce I like to Yeah. Make. 
If I'm going yeah. out for breakfast, I'm going all out. So <laughs> yeah. favourite place to go for breakfast in Adelaide? Oh, I don't have a favourite. We or go to lots of different. Mm-hmm. Or best, most recent one. Most recent been. was yesterday and that mm-hmm. was Saint's Kitchen where I used oh, to work. Yes. Sorry. Oh, nice. <laughs> and it was, it was yum. It was oh, really good. good. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll give him a shout out in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favourite is probably the Banksia Tree. Oh, okay. In Port Adelaide. I actually used to work there for about six months. So definitely Mm -hmm. have a little affiliation with that venue. Um, And another one is Pippo in North Adelaide. Okay. Very nice venue as well. I mean, I do look after them for coffee. So, you know, the coffee is great. Yeah, that's important. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So how have we come to know each other? You work with my husband. I do. And we also have some mutual friends that Mm -hmm. um, have a bit to do with like breakthrough. Yeah, exactly. So um, your husband, who I call Beery or who everyone calls Beery. (laughs) So we've got to know each other since I've started working for Grinders Coffee, which is under the Coca-Cola Euro-Pacific banner. And then, yeah, some of his friends are yeah, affiliated with Breakthrough Foundation who I work yeah. alongside as well. And I think yeah. that's, yeah, this is why I like talking about how the connections come apart because I think it's really nice and it's very organic and it's, yeah, you know, it is Adelaide, but still. Yeah, Adelaide's <laughs> quite small. <laughs> so how are you doing today? Good. Good? Yeah, I'm really good. And you're definitely good, not just saying good? Yeah, no, I'm good, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. glad and I can tell from the energy in the room. Yeah. So, and I'm very grateful to have you here. Yeah. What are your, I guess, obviously we're going to get back into the backstory shortly, but what are your official diagnoses? Officially Mm -hmm. is late onset PTSD, which is situational. So it's not right now, but if I'm back in that situation, then definitely. And as a child, definitely. Yeah. Depressed and anxious mood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's the other one? Adjustment disorder. Yeah. Yeah, which I sort of didn't really understand that one. Yeah. Now I do a little bit more. It's more of um, people who struggle to adjust to a situation. like a Okay. In terms of change? Change, yes. Okay. Could you give an example? Is it easy to come up with one off the top of your head? Just for anyone who doesn't know or hasn't Just when big events happen in your life, like if someone's passed away or if you're dealing with trauma. Okay. Yeah. Just find it harder than others may to to deal with that change. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I actually hadn't heard of that one, like, specifically before, so it's really interesting to me as well. Yeah, and I hadn't either. Yeah. (laughs) Until they're like, hey, you've got this. Yeah, so, okay, I don't really quite understand that, but okay. Yeah. So I've done a little bit of research on it myself. It's like, yeah, okay, maybe. Yeah. Okay. And then there's also, um, like, other symptoms that you, I don't like to use the word suffer, but, you know, that you deal with. Um, Did you want to just give us, like, an overview of that? So, oh, there's a few. Mm -hmm. But the the one that I probably suffer from the most is disassociation. That is a huge one. Yeah. And that's sort of now I can recognise that 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 has been my whole entire life. Right. Um, And hypervigilance has been my whole entire life. Yeah. Um, But the others, like panic attacks and anxiety is just since I've been dealing with my trauma. Yeah. And, yeah, like sleep has been a massive issue. Yeah. Uh, Depression that sort of came about relating to my son-in-law. Yeah, so quite a lot. Yeah. Quite a lot that you've had to deal with. Yeah, Um, yeah, chronic stress, 
you yeah. had on here as well, hyperthyroid alopecia. Yeah, and that my hair's okay now, but yeah. it has been an issue. And now I can, because I had so many health issues yeah. where I recognise now that my body has just been screaming at me, deal wow. with your shit, <laughs> like yeah. deal with your childhood. And since I have been doing that, all my health issues are a lot better, including wow. my hair. So Yeah. Because it got to the point where I went and brought, it's called a topper, which is like a partial wig because my hair loss was that bad. Wow. Yeah. But now you can see today yeah. that it's, it's not that yeah. bad now. So um, Obviously, there's a little tangent, but not really because it's your story. Like, so in terms of the alopecia, did mm. you lose eyebrows, eyelashes? No. Just yeah, part just, of the hair? Yeah. 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 Did you listen to the episode with Zoe, my friend Zoe? Maybe not. Oh, I'm not sure. She talks about her journey with alopecia okay. in, in that. And so she has lost all everything. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, she yeah. lost. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then she talks about breast cancer as well. But that's part of her story. So yeah. that just is, um, you know, an indication of how varied that, you know, that alopecia can be as well. Yeah. So that's it's very awful. interesting. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about a few different things. And one of the things that we're going to talk about is some childhood trauma that you went through. Yeah. But you'd kind of, I guess, compartmentalised it in your brain until about four years ago. Yeah. Which is super interesting. Like I know, I know. that that is a, a, maybe a weird way to explain it, but I just um, I'm really interested to sort of see how this all unfolded for you. So I guess like where did this sort of start or like where, where do we want to start unpacking that? Do you want to go all the way back? Yeah, it probably makes sense to go all the way back. Yeah. Because I find it very interesting too. Yeah. It's like it's something that I've blocked out for mm-hmm. like 35 years. Crazy. And then it's just was getting to the point it's like it just keep popping up, popping up, and you just have to deal with it. Or it yeah. It just was spilling out all over the place. And yeah. So what happened? So I was sexually abused by my neighbour right. uh, when I was like from seven to possibly 10. I don't remember exactly when it stopped, but we moved to Australia when I was 10. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so that was pretty rough. Yeah. And he had his own mental health issues. Okay. And it is important for me to say that it wasn't his mental health that abused me, it was him. He was just a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that was just, you know, he was someone with a mental health condition. Yeah. But that, yeah, that's definitely... No excuse by any means. So, no, and no. so, so you're looking at approximately over the course of three years. Yeah, yeah, give or take. Yeah, what did it look like, or you know, how frequent was it? And again, completely up to you how much you want to go into it. But yeah. I think I think it's sort of important in a way for for us to talk about it. Yeah. So yeah. So it was. So we'll go back four years because that's I've been yep. in counselling for four years now. Yeah. So at that time we had, like, there was a little girl in my life who was sexually abused mm. and just watching her and just there were so many little things that just keep popping up from that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, that was me. Right. And then I worked with a friend and he was so open about his story because the same things that have happened to him and then just, like, little things like that just keep popping up and I'm like, I just have to deal with this because yeah. it's just I wasn't sleeping. Yeah. Like nobody knew, my family didn't know. So I was just like dealing with it on my own. And then my friend and my nutritionist at the time sort of suggested, okay, you probably need to go 
deal with this, get some counselling, which I did. Yeah. And still am. Yeah. So was it a matter of like you had no memory of it and then all of a sudden like it triggered from the, the child that you had uh, yeah. seen was going through that and then it like unlocked something in your mind or like how? It's hard to, yeah. to understand. Yeah. Um, I, I did have memory of it but I just didn't yeah. deal with it. I just yeah. like pushed it back so far down. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was your brain's sort of way of protecting you? Oh, definitely, as, yeah. yeah, 100%. So as that's like, like a, a massive disassociation. And yeah. I can like see that now. It's, yeah, it's just... Yeah, okay. Because I, I just find it, yes, super interesting. And, you know, I think it's it could be difficult for people who've never sort of experienced this type of thing with their memory to understand yeah. But it is, I think, actually very common for people who've been through some form of trauma like this for their brain to actually do that. Yeah. And com- uh, com- compartmentalise it. That's a hard word to say. Yeah. But to kind of lock it away in order to protect you. Yes, and just yeah. get on with life. Like we moved countries. So yeah. that was like just after I was 10, moving yeah. countries, and that was hard. And then I had my children early, so it was kind of like I didn't have time to deal with it. So it was just yeah. pushed it back and... Yeah. And now I feel safe enough now to be able to deal with it. And my kids are grown and I have that time and that space now. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. did anyone know what was happening? No. No one knew? No. Yeah. I was pretty good at hiding it. Yeah. that's Yeah. yeah. That, and that's the thing. I mean, people, people who are perpetrators of this type of crime um, are often quite good at manipulation. Yeah. And quite good at getting their victims. I don't know if that's yeah, 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 uh, to keep it to themselves. Yeah, right. And that's exactly what mine did. Like yeah. there was a lot of threats and a lot of threats to me and my family. And and he had a very violent background okay. and a lot of like animal abuse. So I, I knew what he was wow. capable of. I knew there was guns in the house. So it's kind of like okay, I have to keep yeah. my mouth shut about this, or he's gonna kill me kill my family whatever yeah and especially if you think about like these kind of things being said to a seven-year-old yeah you know it's you know we can sit here with our adult brains on and and think about it in a different way because we know that we could tell the police or we know that there's help out there but as a seven-year-old having your not only yourself but your family threatened is a completely different can of worms yeah and people don't understand that they're like well why didn't you say anything earlier it's like I was seven. Yeah. <laughs> I was a scared seven-year-old child. Yeah. And was not, I didn't feel safe enough. I do now. Yeah. And I'm glad that you yeah. do feel safe enough now. Like, do you remember the feelings of, of that being scared at seven? Well, at that time, I just completely, like when it was happening, just was not present. Just completely yeah. disassociated yeah. from it. And during like therapy now, well, not so much, it doesn't happen now, but the last like four years that happened a lot like I was talking about something and then it was too hard to talk about so I was out of there my mind was gone yeah and that happened a lot yeah or I was very panicky yeah um and that happened a lot probably for the first two years actually okay where I'd go even like waiting to go into that room I'd be so anxious and so like I felt like I was going to throw up Mm. and felt like I was going to pass out so I, I imagine that's probably what I felt 
mm-hmm. at the time as well. Yeah. Because a lot of the time you don't always remember exactly what happened, but you remember those feelings mm-hmm. of, and that's horrible for a child to be feeling that. Absolutely. It's horrible for a child, but also horrible for an adult yeah. as well, like both ways. Yeah. But like, you know, you think about yourself as a seven-year-old, but I also think about yourself like four years ago now. Like yes. I hate that you had to have all of those feelings now as an adult also, mm, like yeah. twice over. Yeah. Yeah. Once you sort of realised that you needed to do something to deal with that. So you said that you'd had a few people that had helped you along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to talk a little yep. bit about so that? So with all my health issues, I had seen regular doctors for probably 10 years and no one really knew what to do with me and right. all my issues and just because I didn't fit inside the box of the normal, oh, that doesn't really happen when you have um, thyroid issues. It should be that or that. And I was all of it. Mm-hmm. So I went and um, found a medical nutritionist who was amazing, coolest dude ever. Like, he doesn't wear shoes half the time. Which, <laughs> like, he is so cool. And on his new patient intake form, he had on there, do you or have you had trauma in your life? And the first person ever in 10 years to ever ask me that. And I lied and said no because I'm like, I'm not dealing with that. <laughs> and then that night on his Facebook he put an article about how trauma affects your health and I'm like, wow. oh, my God, like, where I never really connected the two because I just, that was all locked away. Yeah. And then I was like, shit, okay. So the next appointment I had with him, I went in there and I'm like, I'm really sorry, but I lied. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, this is what happened. And from then we just changed my whole approach of how to deal with everything because it was more important, my mental health, to get that sorted and the sleep and the stress. Mm-hmm. Everything else, like the alopecia and all of that can just... Wait. Be on the burner now until you sort out. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that just like mind blowing to think that like one question. One question. One question. One lie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then an article being shared, just like having something it's almost I feel like mm. the like the universe made him put that article up that so yeah, that you would too. read it. And be like, okay, I need to come back to this and actually not lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then that set you on a completely different path. Completely. Like, isn't that amazing? Yes. Like, honestly, I'm so yeah. excited talking about yeah. that. Like, just to think, like, imagine if you'd seen a different doctor. Yeah. One with shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so then, obviously, you started to make different changes. What did that look like? So we sort of, my sleep was problem was a huge issue like I would go days without sleeping because my mind just mm, my mind would just not shut off it was just constant like wow so we sort of got into like a regular meditation Mm -hmm. habit which was amazing that was like a really big help yeah and then sort of started yoga and that was huge help as well which I love I love my yoga yeah and we just like uh, had quite a few different supplements and stuff just to level out my vitamins and like the B12 and yeah. all of that sort of stuff that makes a big difference and yeah and counselling. He's like, okay, you need to sort of really need to deal with that. Yeah. How were you functioning like prior with no sleep? I don't know. Like when I think oh. about it now, I was so tired. But you know when you're tired but you're so wired. Yeah. And I was so just 
used to it. Yeah. And I was in such a stressful, stressful job because I was a chef or a head chef back then. I can't remember now. Mm-hmm. And it's a stress- stressful job. And yeah, yeah. Just... And there is definitely, I'm pretty sure there's been um, research done about the correlation between people who are chefs and, like, being highly stressed. Yes. And how that affects their mental health as well. I have to try Huge. and find an article to put in the show notes. But it's definitely oh, true. And addictions is huge. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, because it's just such a stressful job. Yeah. So I just can't even imagine what that would have been like to, you know, be going days without sleep. I have, like, a day where I get an hour less sleep and I'm cranky. Yeah. So. That's amazing that you were able to then turn to things like meditation and yoga yeah, to sort of help make that change and then vitamins as well. And then you went on to counselling. Yeah. So um, did he refer you to somebody or you went through the GP? No, not even. Um, My GP, she was good but she, well, she didn't know anyway because I didn't tell anybody. Okay. Yeah, she never asked that one question. Yeah. So if she had asked that one question, then maybe I could have been dealing with this a lot earlier. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> but to get the referral for... Well, my friend that I was talking about before, he had counselling and he, on our break, because we did split shifts in a restaurant, yeah. he took me down to a place um, where he had his. Oh. And I, the wait list there was 10 weeks and... In the corner, there was like a pamphlet stand and there was like a pamphlet for another organisation. So I just thought, okay, I'll just grab it while I'm here. And then when I got back to work, I rang them and could get a quicker appointment. Yeah. And I've been going there ever since. Oh, good. Yeah. And so you had that connection with the first person that you happened to see? Yes. Yeah. Which isn't always the case. No, it's not. I just feel so blessed to get who I got. Yeah. And just from that very first appointment which was awful like it was just so scary just because you don't know who's coming out to get you yeah you don't know what's going to happen and from that first session I just felt like he heard me yeah like and he did because he asked me have you been to like counseling before and I said yes like a couple of years ago for something completely unrelated Mm -hmm. and I said I didn't like it because she had a clipboard and just wrote notes and he actually had a clipboard in his hand (laughs) I remember this so clearly and he just slowly without just slowly put the clipboard down and I'm like oh he actually heard me like yeah. he recognized that that's what I didn't like and just mm-hmm. put it down and and yeah and once I sort of started talking that was it yeah yeah and 4 years later I still go in there I'm like okay so today we need to do 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 so yeah very that's lucky that's so good yeah. yeah and often you know like a huge part of like when we get to that point of you know, going to see a counsellor or a psychologist or whoever it might be, a lot of what we're looking for is to be heard. Yeah. Like there is, we're also looking for solutions or how we can work on things. But I know for myself at least, I just want someone to just have to listen and it's unbiased opinion giving afterwards. Yes. You know, it's not like your mum or your friend who's, of course, going to tell you that you're right about everything. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I think that's very, there's so much value and so I'm such a big advocate for going to speak to a professional of some kind. Oh, me too. So at the start, how regularly were you then seeing him? Four weeks. Yeah. But then I, probably two years into it, 
oh no, probably a year, then I reported my abuse to the police back okay. home in New Zealand. And probably six weeks after that, my son-in-law got sick. Right. So a lot was going on. So we put it up to every two weeks. Okay. So, yeah. And still currently I'll go every two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's that's amazing that you're able to get in that that often as well. Yeah. So so we're going back two years now. Yeah. Yeah. So four years ago is when you started this sort of journey of unlocking and dealing with what had happened to you as a child. Now we're at two years on from that. So probably, sorry, probably three. Three years. So about a year but, ago from now-ish. So I've been in counselling for four years. Yeah. So a year after that, so three years ago is when I reported. Okay. And when my son-in-law got sick. Okay. So a lot happened in a short space of yeah. time. So yeah. um, in terms of reporting what had happened, what did that look like? Well, I had no idea what to do. I know, so that's I think, what I mean. What do you do here? So yeah. I found through this whole journey actually I found like I've had to advocate for myself a lot mm-hmm. because I'm in a different country as well from where it happened. Yeah. So there was a lot of I couldn't get certain support here because it didn't happen here but I couldn't get support there because I'm in New Zealand because I don't live there. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, well, where do I fit in here? Yeah. But I was very, very lucky I did uh, ring a local police station to where it happened mm-hmm. and got the most amazing detective. Oh, I'm so lucky because a lot of people don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I got like a really good one and we were going, we started the process here in Australia so I could email my statement through, which is really so, so hard because that day that I did that, my son-in-law was on life support. So I was downstairs. It had to be done that day. So I was downstairs in <sighs> in the pond, like in the garden, doing that while everyone else is upstairs. Oh, at the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Because we pretty much were at the hospital for two years. Okay. Yeah. And was this really, really Ill. was your uh, eldest daughter's partner? Yeah. 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 Okay. And how old were they? How old was he at this point? At that time, 23. Yeah. Okay. And Hannah would have been the same. Yeah. 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 So you're trying to go through the process of, you know, making this report, but at the same time he's quite unwell. Yeah. yeah. And so that was probably that was probably one of the lowest days was that day. Yeah. Because it was like, okay, I shouldn't be dealing with the shit, but I have to. Yeah. And I should, yeah. Yeah. It's awful. And, and then from there I went back home um, for a family wedding. So okay. while I was there, I went like met my detective. So back in New Zealand. Back in New Zealand, yeah. yeah. Um, met him and did the official signing of my statement. And and at that stage, my family still didn't know. My husband did, and my oh. children did, because I thought I could probably do it by myself without yeah. them knowing. Because I didn't, I knew how devastating it would be to my parents. Like right. I knew, and I was trying to save them from that. But turns out that can't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they so returned back to Australia and then they the detective he kept really good contact through the whole entire process and but then I needed family like my brother and my parents to do statements and some other family members and people that were in my life as a child. Yeah. So that all took it takes its time and because of COVID as well, it took probably a little bit longer. Yeah. And then 
So it took about just under three years from the start until it was dropped, which was just recently. And it was dropped due to his mental health because he was not mentally well enough to stand trial. Wow. Yeah. So for three years from the day you reported it until they essentially dismissed it or is it different to being dropped? Uh, I don't know the exact word because it was proven that everything did happen, which is amazing, which I didn't know about until later. Okay. Um, Because when I got like the email saying that it is dropped, like it was just, oh, sorry, due to his mental health. And yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what about my mental health? Like, mine is now not great. Uh, yeah. So I rang my detective because an email's not good enough. No. Um, and sort of like, I need more answers than that. And and I still, like, and he was amazing because he has been amazing through the whole entire thing, but it still wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I deserve more than that. Mm-hmm. And I rang um, another organisation in New Zealand and said, look, this is what's happened I, it doesn't sit right with me. How can he be in the community if he's that unwell? He should be getting help. Oh, so he was like a, he wasn't in in any kind of institution or no, like like under no. guard of the state or whatever you would call no, it. No, wow. Like he did get arrested, but then he like after he had his interview and whatever, he was yeah free to go. But yes, like well, if he's that unwell, he should be getting help. Yeah, um, and I wanted to know why. He wasn't. So this organisation, and they were were so beautiful because I was pretty much hysterically crying, like, I don't understand. And just hearing those Kiwi accents was just like a little bit of home too. Like I needed that. I needed that connection to home. And they sort of did a bit of investigation for me and rang back and said, you should have had like a meeting with your prosecutor and your detective. And I didn't get that. So I made sure I got that. So mm-hmm. you need to advocate for yourself sometimes or yeah. you just get nothing. So I had my Zoom meeting um, and that was the best thing ever. Just mm. And in that meeting, that's when I realised or they told me that it was actually proven that it did happen, which I didn't know that before. So that was just like a sense of, oh, thank God, like they believed me. Yeah. He did do it. Um, so that was huge, like just for a healing part that was massive. I can imagine. And yeah. they just explained everything step by step. And it's like, okay, I, I understand now. Like I mm-hmm. get it and I'm okay with that. Okay. Even though I think more should be done, but just like in Australia, mental health is lacking in so many different mm. ways and it's exactly the same. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because so I can imagine like how you must have felt being delivered that news that, you know, he was, uh, the case was dropped or whatever the terminology yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. How did that make you feel? Gutted, absolutely gutted. Yeah. And it kind of felt like I didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, it's just a, a name on a file with this. And yeah. it wasn't just a name on a file. None of us are just, we are people that bad things happen to and deserve more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then I guess, you know, going through the, you know, through to the other person and actually like following up and being like, okay, someone needs to explain more. Yeah. Like you said, that feeling of like they believed me. I thought that was an interesting like choice of words, but I feel like that would have been how I would feel as well. Like almost like, I mean, you know what happened to you. Yes. But to have to, I guess, 
prove what's happened to yeah. you. That would take like a you know, a bit of a like punch in the guts that you have to prove it. I understand why, like yeah. legalities and all that. Yes, yeah. But yeah, like having already lived for so long with this trauma to then have to go on and be like prove that it it did happen. I just I I can't imagine like I can only I can try to imagine but yeah. I, I can only imagine how it must have felt for you. So to then have had that um outcome in the end even though you know he wasn't locked away. Yeah. Still having that um feeling of I guess there would have been a sense of relief. Yeah. In a way. Yeah, and I gave it back to him. Okay. Like when I signed that statement when we went back for the wedding um as soon as I signed my name, it's, it's, that was a huge relief. It's like I've been carrying it on my own for so long. Now it's your turn. Yeah. Like, so I, I had that sense of back to you, mate. <laughs> like yeah. you have it now. You have to explain to people why you were arrested. You have to have many, many court appearances. You have to have all these mental health assessments and yeah. risk assessments and deal with that for the rest of your life now because I'm done. Like yeah. I've, like I, it will always be there. Yeah. But massive sense of relief. It's like, yeah. okay, that's yours now. Yeah. Almost like you've taken that off of your shoulders. Yeah. Like you can still feel it afterwards. Yeah. But it's now that the main weight of that has kind of been passed back. Yeah. Over to you. Back to where it belongs. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel so happy for you that Thank you've you. been able to to get to that point and that you can sit here and, and talk about it like this. Mm. Um and like I use, you know, when you say, oh, you know, back to you, mate, you smiled, <laughs> you know, like, and I yeah. just like, you know, to have gone through such a heavy thing, but yet now be in a space that you are talking mm. to me today is just incredible. And you should be so proud. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously that's something that will, you know, that's part of you in a way. Yeah. Well, how do you like to yeah. think about it now? Well, the last four years have been horrific. Like it's, yeah. been, it's just been so much and with the whole court thing and then with my son-in-law because mm-hmm. he did pass away. Yeah. And my court case was dropped pr- oh, within weeks. I was probably like within two weeks of my son-in-law's first anniversary. So it was at that particular time it was just like, oh, my God, this is just mm. too much. But now, well, we're only a couple of weeks from that but yeah I'm okay yeah it's been explained to me exactly like the process of everything and yeah I'm okay yeah you have been through a lot in the last four years who do you think was the most influential person on this journey with you okay so there's the three that I've already spoken about so it would have been my medical nutritionist who was amazing the no shoes no shoes (laughs) yeah I love it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, and he was really cool because he thinks outside of the box because when I didn't fit in the box with all the other doctors, he was my guy. So. We need more people like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and would have been my friend that I worked with who was so open about his story and by him being so open and not treating it as like a taboo subject, which everybody else does, I felt like, oh, Okay, if he's so open, I can be too. And yes. why shouldn't we? Yes. I love this so much. Me too. Like, and this is, you know, when I hear people like you right now saying that about him, that just is like, that is the whole reason that I've 
try to do what I do. This isn't about me. But like when I share my story, I like to think that there's one person out there who's going to hear it and take something from it. And that this person has given you that gift just by being open about their journey. And I just think that so much good can come from sharing our stories and being vulnerable in that position when we're ready to do it. Yeah. So bravo, whoever you are. You're amazing. Yeah. (laughs) He knows who he is. Yeah, <laughs> good. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so grateful for him and just yeah. being so open. And yeah, he did. It was he gave me that permission that I can do yes. that too. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. And number three, who was the third person? Uh, would be my counselor uh, for yes. sure. Yeah, because like the last four years has been an absolute shit show, and yeah. he is the one that has sat through that shit show. Yeah, and sort of unraveled everything, put it, helped me put it where it needed to go, and yeah, yeah. I would hate to think where I would be now if I didn't have that person, like that safe space, that safe person to just say what I needed to say yeah. and just to listen like non-judgmentally, which yeah. he did. So good. Yeah. yeah. So I'm very, very lucky that I've had like those three people. Yeah. Good. And I hope that you tell them to listen as well. So I will be. <laughs> cool. So what do you wish that you could either like tell your past self or like advice you might have for someone who could potentially be going through something similar to you? Yeah. Well, the past self question I do struggle with. Yeah. I've always struggled with that question. Um, but I would tell her that you're okay. Mm-hmm. Like you are strong, you are tough, you can you can do this. And by sharing your story eventually, you could be helping other people too. Absolutely. So that's why I'm here today. Yeah, and you will um, be, 100%. You'll be helping somebody else out there. So yeah. well done. And to other people, whether you're a victim or a survivor or you're struggling with your mental health, don't be ashamed of that. Mm-hmm. Like never be ashamed of where you're at in life. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not at all. If I'm struggling, I'm struggling and that, that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think there's and so much pressure on us to yes. like um, be living this perfect life and to be happy all the time and whatnot, but I think there's just so much beauty in that, the sharing of the fact that we are all constantly in a flow state of being you know you can be happy and sad on the same day at two different times like it's yes. okay if you're happy 24 7 like you are this unicorn and who yeah. are you and how do we get that yeah, but that it's happen. just not <laughs> no like we go through so many different emotions every single day and that's okay yeah it is okay like, don't be ashamed of it no just, and if I, you need to get help seek help yes don't be ashamed of that either no it's like, and I always say this, like it's like physical health. If you have yeah. a broken leg, like are you expected to just continue to walk around on a broken leg or are you going to go and find someone who can help you to fix it? Like exactly. it's the same. It's just one is physical and one is mental. And for some reason for years there's been a different opinion attached to one than the other and it's ridiculous and we all need to get over that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree with you, Yeah. <laughs> But I think that's, yeah, really, really good advice just to, you know, remind people to to just be, like, okay. It's okay to be not having a good day. Yeah, it's okay to be yourself. Yeah, 100%. And be kind to yourself when you are having those bad days. Yes, yes. Kindness, definitely. So how do you think that we as a society can do better 
in that space? Or how can we like maybe help support our like family and friends a bit better? I think just by being more open, Mm. open about how you're feeling, Mm -hmm. Um, more awareness, like exactly what you're doing right now, Mm -hmm. like with your podcast is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, People need to talk about it more. So it's not, you know, got this stigma stigma attached to it. It's like, it's okay. We all struggle at some some stage. Yeah. Um, And the mental health first aid course, I think everybody should be doing that. Yep. I did that recently um, and it was fantastic. Like it was really good. And I do think it should go together with first aid. Yeah. Because like you said, like if you, someone breaks their leg, you learn how to fix that with your Mm. first aid course, you know what to do. Yeah. So it should be the same for mental health. Exactly. Because like, you know, in a a first aid um, course, you know, we're not going to learn how to do surgery on the leg, but we're going to learn how to you know, maybe put the splint on or, like, help that person to get to the, the professional help. help. Yes. And it's the same with the mental health first aid training. Um, I know when I did it, it was two days. Yep. Yeah, yeah it was two days. Yeah. yeah. I did two days. And, like, I feel like in my our group it was super collaborative and everyone was, like, throwing ideas out and, you know, even, like, you know, I've been doing a lot in the mental health space for years, but I got so much value out of it also, yeah, and yeah, I me do too. think, yeah, it should be as as regularly done as regular first aid courses as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if anyone has been thinking about doing a mental health first aid course, um, and you're in Adelaide, I do know that Breakthrough Foundation do run them. Um, so I can put a link to that in the show notes. But you can also just wherever you are, you can Google mental health first aid and I can almost guarantee that you'll be able to find something, if not in person, then online. So that was a definitely a, a really good um, piece of advice too. Mm, yeah. So looking back now with hindsight, which we know is such a wonderful thing, how do you feel about the path that you've been down? Like now I feel okay. Like I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with what I needed to do. And Yeah. I guess maybe the last little question that I'd like to ask then is if someone could take one thing away from your story today, what do you really want them to walk away with? Um, that they should not be ashamed of mm. anything. Yeah. Like whether it's if something, you know, some abuse happened to them that wasn't their fault, it wasn't their doing, mm-hmm. even though that's hard to understand like when it happened to you, um, but it wasn't like we yeah. didn't do it. Someone yeah. did that to us and it's nothing for us to be ashamed of. Absolutely. And same if you're struggling with your mental health like I have for the last four years, mm-hmm. um, it's not anything to be ashamed of. Yeah. Like at all. Yeah. And I do think especially um, when it comes to things like um, sexual abuse or things yeah. that happen when you're a ch- when you are a child, I think there is this, um, unfortunately, this feeling of shame that is all, always sort of attached to what yeah. happened, yeah. Um, which is completely unwarranted, but it floats around there. So that's a really good reminder for anyone who is potentially listening and has gone through or is going through something of this nature just to... Yeah remember that it's not on you yeah yeah and to yeah definitely look at I guess seeking that that help and starting to work through it so they can get to a place more similar to what you've been able to get to now um and 
I just think, yeah, you coming on today and, and chatting through all of this, I'm so grateful and I think so many people are going to get a lot out of it. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> and also just that it's not too late to get help for this. Like you can deal with it. Yeah. You know, even if it's like 50 years later, you can mm-hmm. work through it and get help for that. And even like to report, like mine was 35 years later and I still didn't get the guilty but it was proven that it happened like 35 years later yeah so it can happen you can and there's the sense of freedom when you get to that is so worth the hard work because it's hard it is so bloody hard and awful and so many things you have to sort of relive but once you get over that to sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, it's mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Like it's so freeing. Yeah. And, like, again, like I can see that on your face yes. right now <laughs> while you're talking and I wish that yeah. everyone could see yeah. your face right now because, you know, you have gone through a lot of shit, like a lot of, you know, yeah. that, like that. But to be where you are now um, in this place mentally and, yeah. you know, to see you talk about that and talk about the free, the freedom that you can feel afterwards is just yeah. a testament to what you've been talking about. So that's just amazing. Yeah. And thank you so, oh, thank so you. much for coming over today to talk to me. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for doing this. This podcast is, is awesome because it's creating the awareness that mm. different people do struggle and it's all different. Like every guest you have on is different. Yeah. And that's what I like about it because it's sort of like, oh, if you can't resonate to one of your guests, it'll be another one or a different one. Yeah. And that's the whole point. You know, I just think that everyone has a story and I think that, you know, the more stories that we can, you know, create conversation with, yeah. we're going to help. And you, like, you will never know yourself the full extent of the help that you've provided to people by coming here today. And that yeah. is just such a beautiful thing, I think. So thank you so oh, much you. for coming. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, and I think that we will wrap it up there. Okay. So thank you so much. Thank you. And guys, I will see you next week. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. Even better, if you know someone who might benefit from listening to it, please tell them all about it. You'll find more information from today's episode in the show notes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on High Tide, Low Tide, please email me at Lisa, spelled L-E-E-S-A, at hightidelowtideau.com or DM me on Instagram at hightidelowtideau. See you next time.